Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Good morning. It is good to see you all. And I know that what I'm about to do, I've, I've felt inspired to do this morning, and I'm doing this with a little bit of trepidation because I know that he will get me back later. But there is someone this week, someone that does a lot for this chapel service that doesn't usually get seen because he's constantly coordinating and doing different things throughout the, the week, and, and he's been doing this for a while too. But this week was Chaplain Braswell's birthday, and he's standing, which is great. But I think it's very fitting if we would sing a certain song. You know which song I'm talking about, because it was his birthday this week. So, all right, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Chaplain Braswell. Happy birthday to you. Thankfully, he doesn't embarrass easily, though he knows when my birthday is and I do. So I'm sure I'll get that back a little bit later. But before we get into the message this morning, if you would please bow your heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you in fear and trembling because I know I cannot do this on my own. But Lord, you have promised that you will be with me, you will be with us to the end of the age, and I ask that you would cleanse me of anything that is not of you, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me to your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in 1900, during the Chinese Boxer Rebellion, there was a group of insurgents that had surrounded a mission, and they had closed off every single gate but one. And at that one gate, they had taken a cross and they had laid it down the ground right in front of that gate. And they passed it along to all the students inside the mission that those that would be willing to trample on the cross would be allowed to go free, but anyone else would be shot. Deeply terrified, the first seven students came out and they trampled on the cross. But the eighth student, a little girl, came out and she knelt beside the cross and she prayed for strength and then carefully walked around the cross and walked toward the firing squad. The following 92 students after her followed her example and they all went to the firing squad. We naturally avoid pain and hardship. But if we are in Christ, it is unavoidable. As we look at our scripture 
for this morning. We're going to be looking, and you can go ahead and start turning in your Bibles now. We're going to park here for a while. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 11, and we're going to go through verse 26. And reading verse 11 through 14, it says, reading from the New King James Version, But I want you to know, brethren, that things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Brothers and sisters, the first point this morning that I want to talk to you about is the fact that Jesus suffered for us. Jesus suffered for us. And if you have your bulletin, you, you can follow along and you'll be able to fill in the blanks there. Now, it's an interesting time that Christ comes in because you have these hypocrites, which were the religious leaders of the day and they were used to getting the all-star treatment they got the best seats people greeted them in the marketplace everybody thought they were absolutely wonderful and yet here comes this man and he comes from Nazareth of all places and he begins to teach, and he not only teaches, but he begins to teach with authority. So, doing what many power-hungry people would do in that day, they waited patiently for an opportunity. And then they put Jesus through an illegal trial, and after that trial, on the basis of false witnesses, they send him to the governor, who, ha who has him spit upon, mocked, beaten, flogged, and finally crucified. Now, I don't know what it was that pushed these religious men, men that claim to be men of God, to do what they did. Maybe it was that they were just simply proud, self-absorbed. Maybe they were just rotten to the core. We have a tendency to demonize these men, but I wouldn't say that they're necessarily the bad guys. Maybe it was out of ignorance. Maybe they didn't truly know what the First Testament said about the Messiah. Maybe it was that out of greed and out of their own pride, maybe out of their own self-righteousness and importance, they decided that despite the fact of what the First Testament said, that they would just simply deceive the people so they could continue to go on in their pomp and circumstances. 
I don't know what their motivation was. I don't know that, and I can't say for sure what that was. But what I do know is this, brothers and sisters, that the devil is a roaring lion seeking to devour whomever he can. The real problem was not the religious leaders of the day for Jesus. The real problem was Satan. And that was the problem that he came to face head on for us. And Satan had a plan. He knew that he could not corrupt Christ, though he tried. And believe me, brothers and sisters, I would have to say that the desert, that 40 days that he spent in the desert was not the one and only time that Satan tried to tempt Christ to fall. And yet Christ lived a perfect and sinless life in service to God. But what Satan did was he had these men in his pocket. One way or another, he had them and he was using them to do his dirty work, including the very one who writes this letter to the church in Philippi who sat as the first martyr, Christian martyr, was martyred with them putting the coats at his feet. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this morning that it is undeniable we are at war. And I'm not talking about that nation that really wants to get Taiwan back in its clutches. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a war that started before time began. A war that started in heaven. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it gained a foothold here. And this world has been the battleground for that battle and for that war ever since. For thousands of years, it's been going on. There's not a single person that has drawn breath that has not been affected by this war. And brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, we, we can't be neutral in this. We're on one side or the other of this war, whether we even realize it or not. And I want to tell you, Paul is definitely and clearly not neutral in this war. He is more than aware that he does not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. I think he wrote that somewhere else somewhere. But what we see, Paul was not neutral when he was working to further the cause of Satan without knowing it. He tackled that with everything he had. And it is no different when he came to Christ. Because I'll tell you something, you want to make the devil mad? There's no better way to make the devil mad than to have those scales fall from your eyelids 
and to walk away from him and to run into the arms of Christ. That is the quickest and best way to make him mad. And Paul goes through a lot. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25 says that Paul was beaten with rods. This, this is not a joke. Anybody remember the, the caning in Singapore? That's what we're talking about. He, he was cane. He was flogged 40 lashes minus one on more than one occasion. He was shipwrecked three times. He went through the process of stoning. He was imprisoned, obviously. We have that on record more than one place, including here. And even later, he was executed by the emperor Nero. Paul understands and knows that if Christ suffered for us, that to follow Christ will lead to suffering. Now, brothers and sisters, I, I do understand that in this land for over 500 years, if you're going back to the colonies, people have enjoyed freedom of religion. We have not had to endure as much as many others that have come to Christ. Most of us have not had to face imprisonment, beatings, or execution. But brothers and sisters, I'm also not naive to the fact that we are still under attack. Satan is doing everything he can to continue to struggle against Christ. And we have seen things that have come into this nation that my grandparents never thought would have happened. We've seen things that have come up that directly and completely spit in the face of God. Things that attack marriage, and attack the worship of God in general. We're not without our struggles. We're not without our sufferings, though they may not be as direct as others. But I want to tell you this morning, one thing that is wonderful is that God can use the sufferings that we endure in more ways than one. And we don't have to do it on our own. It is a difficult thing for us as people because we want to be in charge, especially of our own lives. But brothers and sisters, if we're suffering this morning, and, and many of us, I would say, are probably suffering in one shape or form. What we need to do is surrender to God and lean on Christ. Because Paul is in this prison and 
He has joy. And it's hard for someone that is outside of Christ to understand. And we can talk about how it makes sense all day long. But brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you this morning is we don't have to. Because God gives us that joy when we ask for it. If we are willing to surrender to Him and to His will, He gives us that joy. Every morning. Every day. If we're willing to simply accept it from Him. Because here Paul is in prison. And whether we are in prison facing a death sentence, which we kind of are, if we think about it, or whether we are in a tropical paradise, we need to bloom where we are planted. I know you've all heard that before. We're military. We understand. We're moving all over the place, and we don't have time to sit on our hands most of the time, or we're going to be miserable. We've got to make friends. We've got to get out. We've got to do things. Because otherwise, we're going to be bored. We're going to hate where we're at. You hear it all the time. The duty station is what you make of it. It depends on who you are and what you're doing. And we don't have much choice when we're military. No one should understand this better than we do. And here is Paul in prison, and he is blooming. He is overjoyed. He can't contain it. Everyone that is in and going out of that prison knows why Paul is there. Why? Because he hasn't been shy about it. He has no problem. You can only imagine the smile that's on his face every day. And people are like, why is this guy smiling? He's probably facing execution. Why is he smiling? Because prison in the Roman days is not what we have today. I know you've heard this before. But unless you had friends that were taking care of you, you sat there and they did not care whether you ate. They didn't care whether you had water to drink. It didn't matter to them. You were being punished. It was more than simply just going to bed without dinner. Roman prison was no joke, and yet here is Paul, and he is rejoicing in the Lord. And everyone that he sees, and they're going, you must be out of your mind. Why in the world are you happy? And he says, I'm suffering for Christ. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And that may be difficult for anyone outside of Christ to understand, but it should be something that as Christians we understand. should be something that we get. Now I'm not saying this morning that we can't be sad. I'm not saying that we can't face things like depression and anxiety. They're there. But when we know that these things are temporary, it helps 
And here is Paul. And he is being guarded by the Praetorian Guard. Not the one in a, in a popular sci-fi series. It's not the one I'm talking about. But the one it's based off of. These guys were hand-selected. They earned three times more than what a legionary earned. They were the bodyguards of generals and even the emperor. And most of them, simply because they're Roman and simply because they're serving the Roman army, were pagan. And guess what? They were Paul's captive audience, pun intended. I thought I might get an amen or something out of that. But Paul knows that at any point in time, God can free him. He's experienced it. The walls, the jail cell, the chains, the guard literally chained next to him don't mean anything. They're an illusion. They're simply there the devil is hoping that they will crush his spirit. And yet Paul knows anytime God wants, he can say, you're free. And he's free. That's it. Paul's not worried about it. And he is more than happy to preach about it, to proclaim it. And as the passage continues, it says, some indeed, indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from self-ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice." Paul has joy because people are coming to Christ. And he knows that he has a part in that. What greater joy do we have than to know that people are being saved because we are being obedient? We are taking the opportunity to be where God has placed us now and we are sharing the gospel. I'm not, I'm not saying we've all got to be up here like I am this morning. I'm not saying that you should be outside of your cough and preaching with a bullhorn. But we should have that joy in all circumstances like Christ, knowing that if we are living for Him, because He gives us the strength, He gives us all that we need to live for him. And if we are that shining example, if we are being that city on a hill, if we are that salt of the earth, if we are that light in a dark world, people are coming to Christ. And we can rejoice. Brothers and sisters, as he continues, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. 
For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet will what I shall choose, I cannot tell. But I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul knows that this is not going to be forever. Paul knows that this is going to end at some time. Because brothers and sisters, this is not home. This is not home. This is nowhere near what God intended for us to live in. And this place will be restored. We're good. Our home is far better than this. And that place is never going to fall. Because no matter what storm we're going through, no matter what we're struggling with, it will pass. It shall pass. This too shall pass. Whether you've got COVID for the 28th time, it shall pass. Whether your knee is killing you and you can't stand being off of your feet, this too shall pass. Whether you're in debt to your eyeballs and have student loans out the backside, this too shall pass. If your first sergeant doesn't like you and has been putting you on every crummy detail that he can and even some that he's invented and can't, this too shall pass. If you are chained to a Praetorian guard in a prison, this too shall pass. If you lose your sight, you in an accident become paralyzed, you are diagnosed with cancer, this too shall pass. Satan's time is short. And he can only be the thorn in the side of God's people for so long before we will be delivered. We need to be in prayer. We need to be prayer in prayer for each other. We need to be in prayer for the salvation of others. Because we know where our help comes from. As the psalmist says, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And brothers and sisters, He is with us. We have a mission. This mission is not complete. We must struggle, and as we struggle, we will grow. And as we will grow, we will grow in Christ to be more like Christ. So we cannot stop for any reason. We need to be continuing to be about the mission. To be all about it. Thanks, buddy. Appreciated that. It has to be our number one focus. Because we will not arrive until this war is over. Whether that's in our lifetime or not. 
when we hear that trumpet sound and we hear the command of the Lord and we meet him in the clouds, we will know that it is finally finished. And we can stop fighting. That is when the swords will be beaten into plowshares. And there is going to be a great fire of weapons. And there will be war no more. Because it will finally be over. But until then, we cannot rest. We cannot stop. We need to proclaim Christ until He comes. And we can have joy. Because this place, the struggle, is temporary. And at some point, it will end and we will go to that great rest and we will be present with God who, who loves us, who has created us and redeemed us forever. If we stand for Christ, we will face persecution beyond any doubt. Maybe it's just the occasional snide or nasty remark or someone calling you names. Our enemy will enlist anyone he can to demoralize, divide, and destroy us. We must stay in the fight and give it all that we can. The eternity of others rides on it. We can take heart that no matter what happens in our lives, that God will work it for good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the midst of trials, in the midst of storms, and in the midst of struggles, we can know that you are with us. You give us the strength that we need, and we thank you for it. Help us to surrender. Help us to keep our focus on you, that we may fight until this war is over. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.